Next season, rolling on, Chris Frank. That sounds to me, based on his playing style, like there are a few good Chris Frank stories floating around. Yeah, well, I think we'd had that bad... You know, the, the club was obviously on the decline. I think that was the year that Sheffield got taken over and the two clubs then went into administration. Um, yeah. So there was financial troubles at our club and then that led to players leaving and not wanting to come back. Um, so we had to sort of start again. Um, so yeah, think, thinking about it now with the Pals story, that it was that whole kind of cloud that the club had gone into administration yeah. and the uncertainty. Um, and Chris Frank came across my, um, my messages through a guy that I'd met up in a player in Newcastle, um, that I got friendly through, through Samps. And, you know, he said like, I've got a guy, he's looking to do a school package, Chris Frank, have a look at him. And, you know, you look at him up six foot one, 230 pounds. And you think big blue tent, perfect match. You know, where do I sign him? <laughs> you know, and it was a message I reached out to him through through the through the guy from Newcastle. Um, said, "Heard you're interested in in doing a school package." He's like, "Absolutely, I want to come." You know, just make it happen. And you know, it was that easy. And it was a great one for us to to begin the rebuild over because there was so much negativity going around because of the administration and everything. And all of a sudden, we had a guy whose nickname's Frank the Tank coming in. <laughs> you look at YouTube, and he's just absolutely crushing people. Um, and it was a bit of excitement that actually we thought next season's going to be a write-off. Well, we just signed Frank the Tank. I always kind of put Chris Frank and Regan Darby in the same bracket. Yeah. They're interchangeable in my in my memories in some ways. They just seem to have this same kind of aura yeah about them. good good personas about them bit of unpredictability yeah um you know the toughness obviously was in there um but yeah i mean we talked about darbs in the, in the last episode but yeah i mean frankie was uh the only the only beef that i kind of had with frank as a player is that he didn't know when to do it and when not to do it so if you look at if you compare him to someone like a hendo Mm-hmm. Hendo was very, very disciplined in what he did. He knew when it was time to lose his, you know, to lose the plot and kind of go on a rampage. Um, you know, he knew when it was time to actually just draw it in a bit and uh, you know and play it sensible. Um, but Frankie, you could have been a goal up with a minute to play, and somebody might have said something or done something, and you know he would take a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was that control aspect was was lacking for him, and it was it was weird. Then in the summer, um, we were having an arm whether to bring him back because there was that element that we didn't like about him. You know, we liked him as a guy. We knew he had a lot to offer as a player. Uh, we knew he had that excitement factor for the fans. Um, we toyed with putting him as a forward because I think we might have signed our D core and. We thought, you know, if we had that guy on the third line just absolutely running round in that tent, it's going to be, it's going to be something else. Cause I think he had played a few shifts for us at, at forward, um, maybe towards the end of the season. I think it was in, I think we played Coventry. And yeah. We put a line with G, Chris Frank, and Ben Davis, maybe, <laughs> and they scored about Ben Davis, well protected. <laughs> yeah, but they got four goals in about three shifts. I think it was, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that that came across our minds whether to do that. Um, but in the end, we didn't bring him back, and I think he went to Brayhead then, didn't he? Oh, no, oh Sheffield, Sheffield first. Sheffield first with Finner. 
you know, Finner took him there and then took him to, to Brayhead. And I think he played quite a lot of games as a forward for Sheffield. For Sheffield. Well. well, he definitely used to start the games for Sheffield, especially in the 10th. So they'd line up with Frank up on the wing and he'd go and run somebody hard and he'd set the tone for them. <laughs> you know, usually from behind, it was usually pretty dangerous hit, but he'd set the tone <laughs> regardless. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's somebody that we probably in hindsight should have kept hold of. I think, you know, he could have... Uh, he could have been a very useful player for us. We'll run through some names um, for the next few years. Deeds. Deeds. Devin Didiamite. Yep. Where on earth did you find Deeds? Did you have any regrets when she read Twitter that summer? <laughs> and uh, would you have liked to have kept uh, Deeds around maybe a bit longer? He lasted about half a season, yeah. I recall. It um it was so weird with him because it was almost <laughs> like it was I I don't know the whole Twitter thing and the whole gone by Christmas it was almost a self fulfilling prophecy and it was it was just so weird how it happened but going back to the the original question was um, you get emails all the time from agents and I was getting these emails from an agent I'd see Devin Didiomiti on there and you look at he's playing in the HL he's just led the American League in penalty minutes. You know, he'd played in his junior career with um, Steve Stamkos, you know, and he played on his line as a protector for him. So we can obviously play the game. You know, he put up decent numbers with him. He was perfect for what we were looking for, for, for the BBT. And then I got another agent list and he was on it and another one and another one. <laughs> Every time I'm going back to these guys saying, yeah, interested, yeah, interested. And they were kind of stalling it out and coming up with some really unrealistic salaries and in the end I wrote him directly and, uh, and said look I've had about five different agents claiming to represent you which one is it and he came back he's like none of them but I am interested so we ended up directly speaking where, where did they get this information oh, from it's, it's the whole world of agents I mean I think they just they they come across someone else's list and they put the name on there and then they think if they can get them a job they contact the player directly and say hey I've got a job for you you interested but it's, it's very difficult to work that way so I just went directly to him and said look I'm confused who's your agent interested in you and he's like none of these but um, but I'm interested and we ended up uh, ended up signing him um, and I think he could have been you know he could have been a great player for us but there was always this distraction it started off um, between him and Jerome Judas, yeah, um, if that's how you say his name, who just signed for Coventry, Deeds had tweeted him, Judas had tweeted back, and Ben Olsen gets involved, and all this, and it's just like, and of course that summer Coventry signed Mike Danton. That's right, yeah, and, and Deeds. That. I remember that. I don't know why this tweet stands in my mind, but I just remember. <laughs> Remember, just deeds, just writing. Oh my word, Mike Danton's in the league, and then from there it was just like a daily back and forth with yeah. deeds bringing up his checkered history and <laughs> Danton threatening to kill him. And, and a lot of low blows, wasn't there? There was a lot of low blows. And the funny thing about the whole thing is that deeds and Jerome Judas were actually friends. <laughs> so the first tweet was a bit of banter, and then the fans picked up on it, and you know deeds was getting, you know tweets from Coventry fans and then Com uh, Devils fans are tweeting the Coventry fans and it just started this Twitter war and then of course yeah you, you add Danton into the mix and you know it, it just kind of escalated on that so it just set so much expectation but from a, a business point of view 
G and I and you know the, the you know the office are sitting back going, this is amazing. We, we play Coventry in pre-season. We got them in Challenge Cup. We play them early in the league, and it was just dynamite to sell tickets. But it was a massive <laughs> distraction, I think, for Deeds personally, and you know, and ultimately probably we didn't see the best out of him. But uh, there was a lot of fun incidents with Deeds involved. Of course, Mike Danton's visa is refused Funny that. due to his. Uh, Let's, uh, shall we say, uh, a bit of a, a checkered pass, as I oh, said. The and, thing uh, that amazes me on that is who from Coventry ever thought that that visa was going to be approved? Especially because, as I understand it, Coventry are the kind of gurus when it comes to immigration, isn't uh, Well, I think uh, Andy Buxton quite, isn't the, he's the guy who, who knows all the legislation. But, yeah, how on earth they thought they were going to get Mike Danton a visa? <laughs> to play over here I just do not know had he actually played how bad do you think that Deeds and Danton feud would have gone I mean, on the ice because Deeds said a lot of things <laughs> that regardless of whether Danton was in it or not must have <laughs> it would have been ugly wouldn't it and they probably both would have left the league a lot earlier <laughs> oh what a crazy time imagine the amount of fines the social media <laughs> yeah. fines that would have but yeah we ended up uh, you know Deeds fights Olsen didn't he in uh, in early in the one of the country away games um, I think they fought at home as well and then they know, had a few we've, battles we've talked about the the bench brawl stuff where um, me and Ben Olsen had a bit of a <laughs> bit of verbals and indeed comes flying in and uh, and has that as well but um, yeah uh, a great guy I mean we'd heard we'd heard a few mixed reports about him but you know, as a teammate, especially to the British guys, he seemed to like, um, you know, get really close with them. That uh, he was, he was great, and I still speak to him a lot. You know, these days on uh, on Messenger, he's always super helpful when it comes to references. You know, he knows a lot of guys that have played, um, especially the tougher guys, and you know, he's always willing to help out. And uh, you know, just got married, he's got a kid, so uh, good to see things that work out for him. And Sheffield G took him to Sheffield 14 yep. 15 for a couple of games, yep. and uh, and he came back to the UK 15 16 for the Manchester Storm and tried to kill Danny Stewart in a penalty box. <laughs> he did, yeah, so uh, he never did. far away from controversy, <laughs> but um, still playing a good level as well, yeah. Italy, and I, and I think playing in Italy in that kind of league where there isn't that physical element probably helps him because obviously he's played a lot of physical stuff. Um, and there's that kind of red mist that he's got that leads him to taking big penalties or suspensions. And I think when you take that out of the mix, you actually get a very good hockey player. Uh, and we're seeing that, you know, Italian National League call-up, um, putting up decent points in, in the Alps League. He's having his best uh, goal-scoring season, 23 goals there we go. so far this year. So, uh, well, we'll uh, may well see him back on these shorts yet. <laughs> Jeff Pierce, I just want to talk about his hair. Yeah. What a what a flow on Jeff Pierce. Looked to be the most laid back <laughs> hockey player of all time. Yeah, especially when we we had his like passport over to do his visa, and he had a skinhead on it, and then he turns <laughs> up with like one of the best hockey hairs you can see. But uh, oh, what an enigma Jeff Pierce was. I I think he scored four or five of the best goals that I have seen in Devils history. You know, the spinnerama, the baseball bat out of the air, 
you know, a double spinner armor. He scored some incredible goals and, you know, he could just shift past D-men like they weren't even there. And then other games, he would be absolutely anonymous and none more so than the playoffs when we needed him. We had a few injuries, we needed him to step up and he just disappeared. You know, we used to call him the ghost of Jeff Pierce. Because <laughs> uh, at times he just wouldn't be there, other times, yeah, he could, uh, he could step up with a fright. But... Um, so talented, so talented, and annoyingly, in my opinion, wasted that talent because he just didn't have a work ethic. You had a locker room with Devin Didiomate and Paul Bissonnette <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I imagine that was a fun night out, and I imagine uh, you would have liked Paul Bissonnette to stick around for a long time much more than he did. He was only here for a, a few uh, a few months or a few weeks, I should say, but massive impact. The Cardiff Crosby. Yeah, it was incredible. I remember uh, the lockout happened. Nottingham went out and signed the first guy, which was Anthony Stewart. Brother Chris is now uh, yeah. now in, in Nottingham. Uh, so they signed Anthony Stewart, which was a big signing, and I think Brayhead signed Drew Miller... Yeah, um, Matt Bolesky went to Coventry. Yeah, it was, and it, all of a sudden it was becoming a thing, wasn't it? And you didn't want to get left out. So, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden we're looking for, for a lockout guy. Um, and it was Chris Blight that came to me and said, have a look at Bissonette, see if you can get Bissonette. He'd be incredible. And I, I don't follow the NHL that much, but I'd heard of Bissonette because of his Twitter profile is one of, <laughs> one of the most followed accounts and one of the most talked about accounts. Um, but I knew he was a tough guy, didn't know much about him. And I looked at his stats and I'm like, Blighty, he had one goal, one point last year. <laughs> you know, other teams are signing guys like Drew Miller, who's a, you know, a veteran NHL guy. You know, you got Bolesky, you can put up points. We're getting emails with some like big names on there that are just waiting on getting bigger leagues. But if they don't work out, they'll come to you. Um, I Seriously, but even if you go back and look at his East Coast stats, he's, he's half a point a game, which for a four is not very good. And then Blighty goes, he was playing D when he had, when he put up those stats in the East Coast. And I'm like, okay, now, now I'm interested because half a point a game for a D man in the East Coast back then is the benchmark, you know. So if he can do that, he's got talent, you know. And you look at his junior stats, and as a D man, they start like stacking up a bit better now. And he said, honestly, he'd be incredible here. He's way, way, way better uh, player than, you know, people give him credit for. Awesome guy. Let, you know, let's see it. So Blighty gets in touch with Biz. Biz is like, yeah, I'm, look, you know, I'm looking to, to come over for a team. Wow. Um, puts me in contact with him. So we, we have a few conversations. We, um, we tie up the deal around uh, they, they had to take out insurance policies because obviously if they had an injury when they were over with us, they weren't covered by their NHL contract because because of the strikes so they had to get insurance uh, against their wages so once we could cover that um, you know it, it was quite a, a persuasion to the owners at the time that it was worth the investment but we're like come on you know this guy is going to put bums on seats and he arrived and he couldn't have turned out better you know he he had that debut up in I think it was Brayhead wasn't it where he scores on his Scored first in a minute. yeah um, and didn't look back and you know, whether it was, again, he played forward and he was fantastic on that Blight and Faulkner line. But when we played him as a D-man, 
he was like you know like Craig Weller did where he could just you know jump into the attack when he wanted to he could cut through cut through teams and uh, you know he gave us that aura he gave everybody else that confidence um, and you know he was almost two points a game I think he was the, he was the most successful wasn't he of all the lockout guys that were here there was a, a game in Dundee I think it was 9-1 Finish yeah. where he played as a forward yeah. with, uh, with Fulton and, Fulton and Blight. Blight, and they just absolutely they were unplayable. decimated him. They were unplayable. You know, he would get into the corners. He would. He was so strong. He could make great plays. Faulkner and Blight are great players themselves, and you know they had so much fun playing on that too. There was also that um, game in the ten against Belfast, where Belfast did had a real good record against us for a long time, and they went three 0 up. And uh, Bissonette got into it with Sandrock and tried yeah. to make him shake his hand. That's and right. yeah, yeah. Sandrock would kind of had to slink towards the bench. And then there was that big turnaround, winning 4-3 in overtime. Yeah. Faulkner with the overtime winner. Josh Batch, I think, got the uh, equaliser. It, it, it was Batch, I remember that. It was uh, Marshy was injured at the time, so he was on the bench with me. Um, and... We needed some. Um, we needed something different. We were getting. We were getting pumped, like you said. And I turned to Marshy and I was like, "Batchy back on D. Uh, sorry, Batchy as a forward. Bissonette back on D. See if you can generate something back there. What do you think?" He's like, "Yep, I like that." And within <laughs> within seconds, <laughs> Batchy picks it up on the halfway line. He he flashes the blade. A bit of show and go goes across onto his left wing, and he fires a shot across the net, top shelf. And Marshy turns around and he goes, yeah, that worked out okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was... That's a lovely finish. It was a lovely Batchy finish. Lovely. Batchy does do that, you know. He's, he's got a lot to his game. And um, Bissonette ran the show then, didn't he, from on D then. Yeah. Which gave him a little bit more... He maybe wasn't getting into the game as much uh, as a forward on that particular occasion. But when we moved him back on D... He just dictated it, and then yeah, we ended up on that. I mean, he, he saw the, that because that Belfast game, me, me and my um, friend were, were house sharing in London at the time, and it was a Sunday, and we said we're going to get down for that game, Belf that Belfast game, because Bissonette's going to change it, and he did, and we went straight back to London after that, absolutely buzzing. I think we flew home. Yeah, <laughs> it, was yeah. just, it was one of those like sort of tent moments, I yeah. guess. I think. But, we'll, I mean, Biz, Biz Mania so. did hit the tent. Didn't it? <laughs> you know, it uh, I still don't think there's been a guy more popular for um, for puck sponsorships. You know, he would have a minimum of 10 people, sometimes close to 20 people, um, queuing up to get a, a puck sponsorship with him. Um, you know, we talked about before on, on the pod that we were we signed him actually again, didn't we? Um, yeah. With the get out that if he got an American League deal, he could go and he did. Um, we tried pretty much every year since and uh, were close again before he ended up retiring and getting the sort of media gig um, but you know we always wanted him back whether it would have been the same I don't know but um, great guy I mean he considering his profile you know and I know he's on his podcast that he's joked about playing in a tent and the bus <laughs> trips and all stuff like that but it's all be, true but it is actually true and to be fair to him he, he didn't moan you know he just got on with it uh, I always remember on the bench, he was getting a bit carried away one time and he was shouting at Batchy and he stopped himself halfway through and he's like, oh my God, I sound like the guys that are shouting at me in the NHL, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was quite nice because he kind of, you know, he was that, he was the leading player shouting at the younger guy and uh, the less experienced guy and yeah, he caught himself right in the moment, literally stopped himself mid-sentence and was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> what a guy. 
Spit and Chicklets, check it out. It's a good, uh, it's a good podcast. He's a good guy, and he will. Uh, not many games, but a lasting impression in Cardiff. Couple more names: Jamie Vanderveken. I yeah, mean, expensive seen... shirt to get a name on to get on the back <laughs> of your shirt, but uh, a very uh, smooth D man, and uh, certainly someone I was hoping we could retain. Yeah, he was the the season before Biz. Um, we tried to get him a number of times. Uh, I think he might have even played on that same Rapid City team as uh, as John Pelly. Um, famed for his shot, wasn't he? You know, we. I don't know why we always used to get lured in by somebody with like an absolute cannon of a slap shot. When you think we're back on Jamie Meehan, ja- yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jamie, Jamie Meehan again, yeah. But Van der Wieken, um was playing in Italy. Um, we had word that he wasn't that happy there. Got speaking to him, and he ended up coming across, uh, and he did live up, live up to the slap shot, didn't he? Because I remember that one shot that he took, and it hit the butt end of the goalie stick and knocked it flying out of their hands, and that was like a a wow moment because everyone. <laughs> Normally, when you talk up the shot, like Jamie Milam, um, <laughs> you never actually see it. But yeah, you know, he, he got that away and was. I mean, you look at it, point a game. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked him. I always thought he, he had a lot to offer. He had a good size as yeah. well. Yeah, he, and he didn't mind getting involved, did he? He uh, did. You know, he played it quite physical. Uh, I think he was quite keen to come back, and it, it was. If anything stopped us jumping all over that to get him back. I mean, I think one thing, I think we were a bit apart on where he valued himself financially compared to what we were willing to offer him. Um, but also, he didn't have the greatest foot speed. The league was starting to get quicker and quicker. Um, so value for money-wise, we just thought he just maybe doesn't have the skating that, that's going to warrant putting him as our top D-man. Um, just looking out to see who we ended up signing instead of him. Jamie Neelam. <laughs> Probably should have taken Van Der Beek back, shouldn't we? Oh, I hope Jamie Neelam has listened to this podcast. But we also signed Tyson Marsh, so... Yes. I mean, swings and roundabouts. Yep. It's not a, a bad investment in old Tyson. Dan Acosta? Yep. Someone who... Under different circumstances, I think probably would have had a longer Devils career. Yeah, he would have been a star, wouldn't he? Um, so we got Dan Lacosta because um, Frank Doyle had originally signed yes. with the Devils, so we were excited by that. Um, people who shall remain nameless lost the Cardiff Universe, Cardiff Business School sponsorship. Um, so we had two guys that were signed on MBAs for Cardiff Business School and we made a big play about it being Cardiff Business School, um, which was Frank Doyle, the goalie, and a certain Andrew Lord. <laughs> so when said person lost the, the sponsorship package with Cardiff Business School, um, luckily we, uh, we picked up with Cardiff Metropolitan University and it's been a fantastic relationship ever since. And, um, you know, it, it offers us a lot of things that maybe we, d- we didn't get before. Um, and, you know, it, it is a crucial part of our success today. Um, but we spoke to both players. We were very upfront and honest with them. Uh, you can imagine Lordo's kind of reaction in his detailed way about, you know, Cardiff Business School and wanting to know the ins and outs of Cardiff Met. And um, Doyle was pretty much out straight away. Wow. As soon as he found out he wasn't going to go to Cardiff, Cardiff University, wasn't happy, I'm going to look at my options and 
signed in Sheffield uh, soon after. You know, he, he was a he was a high profile signing of ours, and Sheffield just jumped all over it when they knew that there was an opportunity to to get him, and you know, he, he did well for them. Um, Lordo thankfully stayed. He said, <laughs> "Okay, things happen, but I I've got a good feeling about uh, about Cardiff." He may have been 12 months premature on that good feeling <laughs> uh, and was probably thinking along the line, <laughs> along that 12 months, what have I done? I should have joined Doyle. Um, but, but anyway, things turned out right there. Um, but then we had to look at, uh, look at uh, for another goalie and I got speaking to an agent that, that I know and uh, he, <laughs> weirdly, he asked me for Sheffield's contact. Do you have Sheffield's contact details? <laughs> I have a goalie that might interest them. And I was like, okay, Sheffield have got a goalie. They've just taken ours. We're looking for one. Who is he? Dan LaCosta. And you look him up and, you know, first thing, I, I didn't know the name. Like I say, I'm not a big NHL guy. Yeah. Um, I didn't know the name. And I, you look up and he's playing Canadian University Hockey, which, you know, at, at the time, I mean... Lately, there's been some real good signings out of there, and I think that league is is very, very underrated and has got a lot of uh, you know hidden gems there. Um, but at the time, it's not somewhere where we'd look to recruit from. And then you look a bit further back in his career, and you see he's got NHL games, and not only he's got NHL games, but he's got a shutout in the NHL. And then you start getting excited, and then I mention the name to G, and he's like Lacoste. Yeah, I know, I know that guy's name. Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> Um, and we, uh, he wanted a school package, um, so it was it was perfect really. And uh, you know, to go from losing Doyle, who we expected to be one of the stud goalies in the league, and ending up with Lacosta, it was it, it, you know it couldn't have been better. Yeah, I just look at Lacosta's career in the AHL, the OHL, like big numbers, like all the way through his pro career. Uh, took a couple of head knocks. Uh, pretty much straight away in pre-season. It was that hit that famous uh, Esbia game, wasn't it? The, yeah. the Danish side came in and um, who was it? it? Was the guy who played for Sheffield? It was Sean Limpright. That's it. Who cut across the net and didn't look to get out of the way. Lacosta was kind of just in the wrong place. You know, you know, poking forward. Helmet came off. He's out cold, and we're like, oh great, there's our, you know, that, that, there's our kind of cornerstone, flat out on the ice and. Um, he's out obviously for the next night he skips training all week but by the, the following weekend he's uh, you know he said he's ready to go he passes all the fitness tests and we go up to Fife and it was just a bizarre moment where a D-man plays the forward in front of the net and the guy ends up like flipping over almost and kicked Lacosta in the head with his skate totally accidental and bang, out like a light he goes again. And it was like, oh, you know, this is this is serious now. Mm. Uh, he sat out a number of weeks, didn't he? And then, um, I know, by this point, the whole coaching change had happened. Yeah, you're, but, you're, but, uh, yeah uh, not around to see. Uh, the and, and he ends up with a third concussion in that, and that's his season done. And he, get, he gets a brain scan and gets told that he's got some kind of cyst that he never knew that he'd had since birth. And... He should not should not play physical sport again. Wow, just such a shame. Like his, his quality and is such a good guy. And Great guy, and his you know I mentioned on the previous pod uh, was instrumental in bringing Chris Culligan to the Devils. Um, you know he's always there if Lordo 
uh, or I need any bit of advice on any player, uh, you know, has offered his services, whatever we need. And, uh, you know, just, again, a genuine, genuine nice guy. You mentioned that game against Danish opposition. Another guy you signed, who I, I'm guessing you were pretty excited <laughs> about to begin with, Andrew Conboy. Yeah, again, he's a, he's a <laughs> guy that, you know, you get the fan excitement about when, when he's announced. You look at him, you look at his fights, you look at him, he's a six foot three, whatever guy, you know, however tall he was. Um, and when he came in, you know, you could see he, was, he could play, he could skate, he, you know, he, could, he would hit hard. Um, and then there was that that game against the Danish that was crazy, and he headbutted the guy, and we're like, oh my god! Uh, and that was ultimately his downfall, wasn't it? Is that he just had a temper he couldn't control? Um, had he not had quite the temper, had he been able to control it a bit more, I think he could have been a legend of a player in the league. <laughs> but because uh, you know he did have he did have the tools, but you know he like I say headbutted in that way game he kicked the linesman skates away up in Dundee that's right yeah um, number of other incidents and uh, I think there was a, an eye gouge wasn't there in Belfast again after the coaching yeah. change um, that, that was the one that, that, that put was him the one. away yeah, yeah. Um, he ended his uh, pro career in the 14-15 season for Elmira Jackals and he wore an A <laughs> apparently they, they like that kind of stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, wow Andrew Conboy. We're into the uh, the new era now, and one player we've already touched on in our episode uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jesse Mitchin. Yep. Was Jesse Mitchin just a little bit too raw when he played for the Devils? Uh, I think there was that element. Um, he was young to come over. Um, quite. I, I don't know if if people know this this part, but. Quite soon into the season, uh, he actually approached us and said he wanted to go back to North America. Okay. Um, he felt he had made the jump too soon, that he had still had an opportunity to get called up to the American League. And whether that had been somebody that was in his ear, um, quite often, you know, a coach might promise somebody they'd guaranteed American League call ups if they join their team. Um, but he you know, so he, he obviously had a bit itchy feet there. Um, you know, we talked to him and, and talked about the opportunity and that he was still a very young player, that if he wanted to go back next year, he would be a much improved player from the opportunity, you know, less pigeonholing in, in, our, in our league and on our team than he would be into the role that he was going to have to fulfill in North America. Um, and he ended up staying. And like I said on the previous pod, he was going great guns until he got that injury in Nottingham where he had the uh, the cut on his knuckle, got infected, you know, got to the stage where they're talking about potentially amputating his finger, um, makes it back, but he was never the same player since, and uh, then found himself the odd man out when we had Marku Tatanen um, in the lineup, and, you know, he, he didn't deal with that very well about being, being scratched out again. You know, young guy, probably doesn't deal with that as much. You know, thinks his career's in jeopardy as well as uh, uh, maybe a veteran guy who just, you know, would maybe bide their time and do things the right way and, uh, and you know, not panic so much. He uh, finished with 21 points in 37 games. Uh, and he did go back to the East Coast League and had his a career season. So, you know, what, what we said to him about being 
Uh, he was still young enough to go back and be a better player, and yeah, he had a career season. And he did seem to find a home in Colorado as well. Played three seasons with the Colorado Eagles, currently in Denmark, and um... on our favourite team, yeah, SBA, <laughs> SBA Energy. <laughs> uh, I would not be surprised to see Jesse Mitchum back in the UK one day. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I would. I think he definitely suits our league. I think he has probably developed as a player from just being a role player now into having a bit more about his game. So Still uh, only 26 years old. I guess. Yeah, he really was a, a young upstar when he yeah. came over. Doug Clarkson. Yeah, we've, 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 we've covered Podcast favourite, Doug Clarkson. We love, we love Dougie. Um, <laughs> just retired, hasn't he? Or just got, just he has, shortly after. Shortly after we give him a shout out. <laughs> Calvin, so. so sorry, Tiger fans, but you know... Um, it must have been a difficult decision not bringing him back. Yeah, especially as he, you know, the, the guy he is, how well, you know, one of the most popular teammates that I've ever seen, um, you know, had a lot of potential as well. You know, you could see it in, you know, a, a lot of the time, but maybe the consistency wasn't there. Um, I think maybe what hurt him was back in North America, he sat out a lot of hockey. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 it was it was a very 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 tough decision. I think the only reason that that decision was then confirmed is if I am right, we ended up with Lee Salters, yes, who it was felt would be an upgrade on on Doug Clarkson. I think maybe if Salters hadn't become available, um, then you know we would have gone with Doug again, and I know Doug would love to have been back, um, and you know Salters didn't quite work out. To, to what we hoped. Um, definitely had one eye on retiring. Uh, had some bad knee and back trouble at the time, which bugged him through the whole season. And we never got to see the Nottingham Panthers, Lee Salters, um, who was you know one of the most effective players in the league. So, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And, you know, maybe if we bring back Clarkson in that year, um, you know, he develops even more. And, uh, you know, we would have had one of the, you know, most complete packages in terms of player and and uh, teammate. But uh, I don't think I've ever met a Devils fan who didn't like Doug Clarkson, as a, as whether they met him off the ice or just watched him on it. So uh, best of luck in his uh, yeah his career of luck, outside Dougie. of hockey, and uh, keep Hope, listening. Yeah, hopefully he comes back and sees us. Uh, always popular when he when he comes back to Cardiff. Absolutely, Zakavato. Zakavato. Ontario's favourite fireman now, I guess. Yeah. Um, if whenever I speak to Andrew Lord about a player or, or you know, if we've got a spot to fill, he always says I'd love a Zakavato type. He Lordo absolutely loved him. And, you know, I can see why totally. I've got to admit, when we were talking to him and when we end up signing him, I was a little bit underwhelmed um, I think that, that was a general feeling yeah and around, I think it was around the yeah, fan around, base yeah it was the you, in fact I remember a very prominent member of the online community when I think Simsy had dropped a hint that it was about to be announced <laughs> on Twitter and someone wrote uh, on uh, on the Inferno I believe oh no we're going bigger and better than him these days like he's not fit to wear a devil shirt and then the very next day we announced <laughs> him and uh it went rather quiet. But. Yeah, because you look at... I mean, he played in Hull. No disrespect to Hull, but they weren't the strongest of sides. 
Um, before that, he played in the French second league, which we would never take yeah. a guy out of. And yeah, I, I just thought we could maybe do better. But then when he came in, Lord have got it spot on. You know, <laughs> loved Herb. Um, great guy. On the ice was an absolute spark plug, and you know that's like as I say, Lorda refers all the time. I'd love a Zakavato type because he gave it every night. He was a ball of energy. You know, he could play across a number of roles. He could play centre. He could play wing. I think he played D a few times for us. Yeah. Underrated um, finisher too. Underrated finisher. Um, you know, small guy, but got stuck in, got the dirty areas. You know, dropped the gloves a few times, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we would have. Definitely, definitely kept Zakavato. Um, I think we even had him agreed to come back. I think he was a Mega Monday announcement. Was he a Mega <laughs> Monday? And that's where it all went wrong. Yeah, um, a Mega Monday announcement and a Tuesday departure. <laughs> yeah, he got offered a job then last minute and and pulled the plug. And you know we were, you know we were pleased for him obviously, but we were gutted because uh, we would love to have Zakavato, you know, for longer than another season. So. Uh, Gone too soon, 100% Zakavato. Someone else who I believe was signed in that same summer as Zakavato, never announced, but I believe he was signed before retiring, Ryan Russell. Yep, that's right. Um, so he was on that same team, wasn't he? Yeah. He was. Uh, so he'd come in, obviously, um, with a big, bigger reputation than, <laughs> than Zakavato. Um, this deal was through our fa- fabulous owners. And they had the connection through um, Ryan Russell's Ryan Russell's brother, um, you know, through the Calgary Flames connection. That you know they'd heard that he was looking for a team. He'd been playing in the Finnish Elite League, which you know, hell of a league. <laughs> and we get the opportunity to bring him in halfway through the season. And he hadn't played in a while. I think he was coming off the back of injury or something. So he was he was just getting his legs in, but. You know, I can't remember a mistake that he made. You know, every play that he made was a percentage play, was the right one. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he wasn't the flashiest of player. Maybe not what you'd expect for his, you know, his calibre of player. Um, you know, he definitely didn't tear the league apart. But in terms of a, a coach's hockey player, you know, one of the best. And yeah, we, we jumped all over the chance to bring him back. You know, it was a kind of... Uh, it, it was it was an honour that he wanted to come back, having played at such a high level. Um, but then he got offered um, a scouting job, I think, with the Anaheim organisation. So Steve King rang up. He's friendly with the guy that uh, that offered Ryan Russell the job, um, and he said, "Look, we don't want to stand in in the way of a guy. You know, Rusty's a great guy, and we don't want to stand in his way of a you know of a promising future career. But you owe us one." You've just taken out a player from us and you owe us one. And fair play, the very next season, there's another guy that we need to talk about. The guy put us in touch with Tyson Strachan. <laughs> Here we go. So wow. there we go, karma. It, it, fair uh, trade. It goes around. So we lost Ryan Russell one year. We gained Tyson Strachan uh, the next. And uh, if ever there's a gone too soon, you know, I think everybody's still missing Tyson Strachan. What a difference he made when he when he came in, didn't he? Tyson Strachan probably worth two extra wins this year. Yeah, maybe. It's just the calmness, wasn't it? Yeah. Above all, because he's not a flashy player. He's not individually mega talented. Um, but again, a player that limits his mistakes, that reads the game so well. Um, you know, not not one to jump up in the play. 
you know, he brought the best out of Bryce Reddick and gave Reddick the confidence to, to develop into the player that he is today and is still developing. And, you know, he, Reddick's going from strength to strength. Um, but, you know, Strachan just gave that amazing calmness and confidence to the team to get us over the line, uh, you know, to win a championship. Those last 10 minutes, if the Devils needed a goal, Ice Time went to Hotham. Yep. They were shutting down the game. Ice Time went to Strachan. Went to Strachan, yeah. And it was that one-two punch. I always thought, you know, when the chips were down, to have either of those guys to call on in a different yeah, situation. Yeah, he, he could log was... minutes, you know. He led our penalty kill to be the best in the league. Um, and like you say, he just made everybody else feel assured. And, you know, when you when you get into the, you know, the time of the year that we're in right now, when, uh, you know... It's, it really is crunch time. Um, he kept everything nice and calm and uh, was a massive reason in terms of getting us over the line and uh, yeah, and, and also onto that playoff championship. Absolutely. Um, who else you got in these last couple of years? Strachan's a, a heck of a one to... Yeah, I mean, the, the last one I think that, that we'd like to talk about and, you know, definitely gone too soon. It might be even too soon to talk about him, but I'd love to see him back one day. Ben Blood? Ben Blood, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Only a, a cup of coffee with the Devils, really. But again, a big personality, much like Bissonette, you know, the YouTube stuff and uh, the Savage Nation. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, he's definitely left a legacy, hasn't he? Yeah. Dev Nation, Savages and all that kind of stuff. But... Um, when we knew that Strachan wasn't coming back, uh, and you know he he wanted to come back, but he knew he had to get on with a career outside of hockey. You know he's obviously he's come from an NHL background. Uh, he needed to get into a a career that that was going to maintain a lifestyle. And he got his MBA as well. Yeah, exactly. He, he got what he'd come over for, but he was definitely definitely tempted to uh, to come back. But you know. I think head ruled the heart on that one for him, unfortunately. Um, and when the name Ben Blood comes across our desk, it was straight away as, could we have done the impossible and found a, a Tyson Strachan replacement? And um, I think he he was he was on his way massively in terms of filling that gap, which is you know a massive shout out to Ben Blood because um, he offered more offensively than than Strachan did, but he was dynamite in his own in our own end. Um, very rarely would you see him go in the corner without coming out with a puck. He had probably a bit more of a physical, even though Strachan had the physical ability, Ben probably used it a bit more, made some big hits, um, skated really well, um, better skater probably than Strachan. Um, and again, like I said, you know, in terms of engaging with the fan base and with all the tweets and the videos and the <laughs> shout outs and stuff like that, um, it was a lot of fun to, to have him on the team. But a good partnership with Reddick as well. So you to settle in straight again, away. Again, yeah. Um, but Reddick to Reddick, really. To, you know, we talked about two partnerships that he's yeah, been a part perhaps of. Perhaps it's Reddick making these guys, <laughs> guys look good. So, yeah. Um, so if you want to look good, you play with Bryce Reddick. But, yeah, so it was it was unfortunate that, that we lost blood. And it was, it was weird for us because we'd obviously come back off the Parisi, you know, non appearance um on the ice that is because he, he was there he didn't he didn't he wasn't just a, a made-up person but you know we hadn't experienced that before we'd, no. we'd had it you know all our own way for four years and then um Parisi obviously um had second thoughts and then um ben blood 
we got him out of the Finnish Elite League, which is almost unheard of anyway. Uh, and he was always playing on the lower teams in, in the Finnish League. And then, you know, Taparo, one of the top teams, comes after him. They're offering him a two-year deal. Um, they obviously had a bit of a weakness in their in their deco, I think. I, I actually covered a game of theirs for the CHL at the beginning of September. and, uh, boy, and no, did, bi- no big deal. Boy, did they need a D-man <laughs> the game I watched. Yeah. They were, uh, you know, finalists the year before. And, uh, uh, yeah, they were in a, a bit of trouble uh, in, the, in the game I covered. So uh, yeah, I, I wasn't totally surprised. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were looking for somebody to give them a more of a physical presence. There's not many... Although the Finnish hockey is physical and finish through, you know, they follow through with their hits, not finish their hits because that, that would be a bad pun. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, they follow through on their hits. Um, there's not that many kind of guys like Blood there. And they, I think they wanted that extra physical edge to their team, but they needed someone that could play. Uh, and you look at how well he's done since going back. He's having a career year compared to his other sort of three years in, in Finland. You know, his points are through the the roof in comparison um and you know i think he's playing on the top two pairings in the finnish elite league which is you know fantastic so you know he, i think he was there was part of him that that didn't want to go but it was obviously an opportunity that's too good to turn down you know we could have played hardball on it um but again you know i think our organization is built on class and i think that rewards us in you know in, in other areas in in the future so you know we did the right thing by Ben Blood as a as a person and as a player, and ended up releasing him um, so he could sign his two year deal in in Finland. But you know I certainly wouldn't be disappointed if uh, if at the end of that he you know he comes back to us to to maybe finish off that NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And you know he uh, he was treated well on the way out, and you know there's never been any you know hint of anything um, no hard feelings on either side. So yeah, I think it's definitely something that. Could be revisited in the future and the dev nation can be <laughs> reborn <Yeah. laughs> oh i think that's uh, about it of all the the big names i think we've covered everything um until of course the intro to the next episode where john will inform us of all the ones we've missed or ken Priestley comes back and, <laughs> and challenges us on, on something else so well i definitely think we're gonna get an email from jamie meal and put it that way <laughs> that um franny thank you ever so much um, it's been a fascinating topic, uh, thirty odd years worth of players who many uh, hours in talking about it. Many it's, hours. In it's talking. actually, I, I think it's actually been my favourite episode, uh, favourite topic that we've covered. Which wow! At, uh, when we had it on there, like I, I was almost didn't know how it was going to go, but uh, <laughs> you know, so many good blasts from the past on there, um, so many good memories. So. Yeah, I think it's it's been one of my favourite talking about you know some of these guys that uh, were definitely gone too soon. It's a weird feeling, really, because you start talking about the times that they were in a devil shirt, and you get all those memories of like, wow, like how amazing was was that that they did, and then it kind of gets to the end. You think, oh, what could have been what with some have, of these guys? And yeah. Uh, yeah, we're very fortunate. And how an about we throw the challenge out to our Twitter followers? in terms of putting together a team of the best gone too soon. A goalie, two D-men, three forwards, best gone too soon. The qualifying category is, we needed to have talked about them on the, the podcast, one season maximum. 
Let's see who can come there up. it is. Let's see who can come up with the best line. One season maximum has to have been mentioned in the three parter. One goalie, two D men, three forwards. And I'll do mine and we'll see how, how close it gets. At BTB Franny on Twitter for that. And we'll see who uh, who comes up with the best one. I guess we'll uh, vote on uh, as a as a three at the beginning well, we of the We know John's episode. got Brabant as centre on his already, <laughs> so we know that. But uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I think that, that could... Brabant's in goal on his own. But I know, I think that could get some interesting yeah, answers. I like Lots it. of good players to choose from. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what people come up with. Yeah, I'm uh, one punches on D for me. Yeah, <laughs> with Beavis. And, with Beavis. Uh... <laughs> no, no, Beavis is up front. Jamie Meelan's partner in one punch on mine. Um, okay, so BTB Franny with your suggestions for that. And we'll see uh, who comes up with the best one judged by the three of us at the beginning of the next episode. Franny, thank you ever so much. Just keep subscribing, keep listening, keep interacting with us on Twitter. Thank you ever so much for your support so far. And we'll keep these rolling. We're enjoying them. Franny, thank you. Cheers, guys. See you soon, guys.